everyone, I'm Emily Hall. Welcome to the Play Tectonics Podcast. We all want the system to change, but how? How do we overcome the gridlock? Do we just keep marching and resisting? Or is there a strategy? In this episode five, founder Jeff Payton shares his combination lock, a set of how-to ingredients and preconditions needed for learning culture transformation. Foremost among these elements is play. I'll start this episode off with a selection from an email sent to Jeff five years ago by a friend from high school. In it, the friend shares the words of his sister, a Long Island teacher, describing the psycho-emotional toll on her students. We share it here as a mile marker to indicate how things have changed, clearly for the worse. How then do we battle this education bully who has commandeered every public school community across the land? Quote, I spoke to my sister this morning. Yesterday, the New York State core curriculum tests were administered. She writes, it was awful. The children have not been prepared for these tests, and there was a lot of crying and banging of heads on desks and the like. 6,000 children were opted out of taking the exams by their parents. She said there is a good chance none of the students passed. The third grade portion dealt with difficult concepts of time and distance relating to 17 ocean crossing voyages and asked questions regarding why certain instruments were desired, for example, sextant, compasses, etc. She said there is no way the fifth graders could even have answered these questions because the vocabulary was way beyond them. Talk about setting children up for failure. Unquote. Now, here's Jeff. The road to education reform is cluttered, littered, and potholed with old kick-the-can ideas, overcrowded with self-anointed patriarchs and matriarchs. It's a caravan of government educrats, platform speakers, internet celebrities, union heads, test-publishing moguls, tech bigwigs and foundations hawking high-tech panaceas, trailed by a parade of marchers, ranters, authors, TED talkers, and social media people, some well-meaning, but all part of the churning throng nonetheless. It's a road hidden in a fog of noise and babble that goes nowhere. Now, it's fair to say that the system is doing the opposite of what it was originally intended to do. Instead of creatively and effectively preparing the young, It has become an academic gulag of stress and boredom for students and teachers alike. Our kids hate going to school, said a well-respected high school principal from Long Island. And none of the folks in this crowd of reformers advance big ideas, let alone real solutions. None empower, elevate, captivate, or give any reason for communities everywhere to move decisively or effectively in a new direction. They, of course, go through all the motions, calling for change or resignations, building the customary website, and posting their particular platform or the next big event. But when it comes to dealing with a monster system that has learned how not to change, they go nowhere, because they, too, are part of the culture of churn. Besides the proverbial waiting for Superman, we pose the question, what hope for change is out there. Now, I'm not going to come right out with what that hopeful something might be. At this point in the conversation, that would be naive. It would snuff out the spark and disarm the imagination. Indeed, even if a spark ignited, 
how many people would recognize or could be receptive to a game-changing innovation, even if it appeared in plain sight? Are people's antennas even extended? America was once called the Great Experiment, but no one's experimenting. Public education itself was once called a great idea, but public education is under assault from the outside, and it has allowed itself to be taken hostage on the inside. Wouldn't you think every school should have an R&D classroom lab to at least encourage experimentation and innovation? So right here is where I'll frame a solution based on a set of requirements, a set of dots on a page, to see if my solution has legs to stand on. Before I begin my list, let me first offer these observations. Animals sense better than we humans when something big, say an earthquake or a tornado or a storm, is imminent. This acute state of arousal is what's missing on the road to education reform. If Superman isn't coming, then how about a vibrant hot air balloon of an idea that lifts our vision above ourselves, that captivates our imagination, and that invites us to move in the right direction? Sorry, that's a bad idea. That big balloon would all too easily make a good target. Alrighty then, how about connecting a thin line of dots on a page? Like I said I would. Just a sketch or an outline of something would do the trick, for starters. So here are those elements, those dots on the page, that are essential requirements necessary for engaging communities across America to advance the cause of broad, sweeping transformation of the learning culture. Now, this is not some hasty, short answer dots placed in any old way. They're points on a mind map that outline the progression of a journey. Although some might guess correctly one or two of the short answers to the following riddle-like questions, we submit that the questions themselves should serve as trail markers that point forward to a path of narrative, logic, order, and science a series of elements required to meet the challenge with successful and sustained change for the better. Now, how would you know that these elements warrant your consideration and contain the seeds of true potential? We'll just try them on for size. Compare them to your own list of requirements, if you happen to have one circulating around, and see if they provoke thought and spark a desire in you to know more. All the components have been painstakingly crafted and tested. Some parts are already moving, while others stand ready to be set in motion as optional components. Let's begin with time and grade. There is only one cure for a system as broken as ours. Culture transformation. Hence, the elements described here have evolved during a 40-year pioneering mission to tackle the problem of learning culture transformation. During the course of this journey, there were discoveries made, problems of culture to be pondered, questions that needed to be answered, relationships to be forged, commitments to be made, promises to be kept, and moving parts to be fabricated and engineered. Ultimately, Dealing with the reality of a change-resistant learning culture has, 
like a pearl taking shape under time, friction, and pressure, led to a viable aggregate of proven physics and processes of unique moving parts and elements. Next, authenticity. Is the idea simply big and deep enough? Is it a breathtaking grand canyon of an idea? Is it a genuine act of nature of geologic scale? Culture change, for example, is an idea that's both big and deep. How can you tell? Because until recently, the term culture transformation rarely made its way into the national conversation about education. Not one reform guru has spoken seriously about changing the learning culture. They might have a clue as to what kind of change, for we can all point to the symptoms, but the details of how to change it would stop them in their tracks. If they did try to implement culture change, it would likely come via governmental decree. Not only do they not bring up the subject of culture change, but their minds cannot possibly grasp it. Talk about culture change is cheap. If the talk were substantive, they would really have to be thinking way, way out of the box. Big and deep and actually be involved in the engineering and science of culture change. So, for example, if you will, I'm talking about change that's powerful enough to transform, say, the three biggest change-resistant areas of the learning culture. And I would describe those as communication, behavior, and three, the nature of knowledge itself. Until reformers can focus on and systematically and systemically change those three elements for the long term in a deep and substantive way, they are still in the dark. They're stuck inside the box. Next, why focus on learning culture and not just on raising test scores or opting out of the tests? Because schools are isolated products that are part of a larger culture that has produced the factory-like model and social school-bred toxins children face daily. Therefore, if enlightened change is to ever come to education, we must address, as a whole, all that messy stuff in which schools exist, namely, the learning culture. Learning culture may be defined succinctly as the blinding and mind-numbing fog of fear and boredom that hang over the system and keeps it from moving even though so many in the system wanted to move. Don't our children deserve better than this unimaginative trick of stress and testing we subject, we subject them to? Can't we muster enough will to envision something better? Can't we at least imagine a full-spectrum transformation, say from learning factory to learning habitat? If all we do is try to fix and adjust every little thing in a system that has proven itself hopelessly flawed and broken, then we persist in the interminable folly of fixing. If all we do is try to fix rather than redefine and reinvent, then we remain blind to new possibilities. Is it too much to imagine one classroom in a school set aside for creative experimentation? Remember, too, the culture is a reflection of people in our society who are educated and trained to shepherd the system. This top-heavy bureaucratic infrastructure of degrees and credential is designed to sustain itself at all costs. The greatest cost 
is to children and their parents. To focus on learning culture does not mean changing the culture all at once. But if you can demonstrate culture change in individual classrooms with direct impact on the learning and lives of all involved in a consistent and predictable way, then the spread of culture change is achievable. But change cannot be achieved by law or administrative directive. There is only one legitimate solution available to people who allow their young to remain trapped inside a system that cannot and will not change. The only solution going forward is creative. In short, the only way out is to create our way out. If you can't imagine a way out, you remain locked in and lost. If you are inclined to reject the creative solution, it might do well to remember the small group of Americans hiding in the French embassy in the film Argo. Next, what's your evidence? Is the transformative idea clear enough to see or imagine? Does it inspire? Does it make you smile? What kind of change is being promoted? What's on the platform? Calling for change isn't good enough. Creative change must be engineered. It must be able to move past words, rhetoric, and behavior. It must be able to move seamlessly past the gatekeepers. No permission from downtown or the principal is required. It must rise above the TED Talks, the marching, the ranting, and the clicking, and yet somehow have feet on the ground. It must take on a life of its own, in the hands, hearts, and minds of all involved. What kind of planetary energy force, if one exists at all, can fuel the physics of a dream like this. Next, does the idea have physical properties? Is it self-sustaining? Is it built on human connectivity, courage, conviction, and vision above and beyond money that corporations, foundations, and local tax revenue typically throw at the problem? Is the idea strong enough to repurpose and transform the neo-penal cell block character of the school building as we know it? Is the idea organic and viral? Does the idea generate and spread the seeds of a new vision for change that can work in schools anywhere and at any level? Does it have its own language, media, principles, and learning science naturally embedded in its core? Does the idea point to change that can root into local communities and be championed across international and intergenerational boundaries? Does the idea grow from the ground up where children live, rather from the top down, which has always been the knee-jerk solution? Next, does the idea do children justice? Is the idea incontestable and inalienable? Do children fit seamlessly within and embody the idea? Is the process synonymous with children? Do they own it? Is it their birthright? Does it nourish and elevate the hearts, minds, and spirits of the young, as well as the immediate adult community? Does the idea put boots on the ground? Perhaps most important, can the solution justifiably, appropriately, and legally involve students to fight for it, in their own way? Beyond the public relations lip service, the website, and the poster images, does the solution begin and end by enhancing the inherent power residing in kids to shape the learning culture in their own image and create their own learning experiences and their own future?
Does it make room for and embrace all kids? Is it designed to grow young people who can think on their own two feet and are prepared to navigate their world, but equally ready to claim and change it? As for the adults, does it compel them to wisely and by design support that empowerment and move out of the way when called for? Can the idea involve building small armies of actively involved kids and families trained to advance the language, the ideas, and tools of learning culture transformation in the community and on the ground and beyond? Does it touch on the human? Does the idea advance a fresh, counterintuitive innovation other than the power of technology as a key to change? Does the idea offer a solution based on the science of change itself? Does it advance an organizing principle rooted in our human legacy? Does the idea take the high road? Can the idea survive and grow without the benefit of corporate support? Can the idea defend itself against and be made immune to bureaucratic, political, and commercial control, power, and exploitation? Is the idea reflective of the highest attributes of American culture and ideals? Does it promote fairness, inclusivity, and common decency for all? Does it pass the economics test? Is the solution self-funding? Does it even provide a social entrepreneurial pathway forward? Is it based on a proven model, a process that is simple and straightforward to manage and drive, with plenty of room for those involved to creatively adapt and even own? Does the idea attract, involve, and offer action-oriented community catalysts the opportunity to make money while making a difference? and is therefore able to grow and empower its proponents and participants. Does it answer the question, education for what? Does the idea reach deeply into the hearts and minds of young people so that they can stand up to centuries of behavior that have led to, or allowed, the growth and perpetuation of war, consumption, waste, exploitation, and enslavement? Can it help humanize the young to neutralize the social, and psychological need and desire to bully, scam, mistrust, hate, kill, and pursue money at all costs over their humanity? Is it powerful enough to supplant the current system while empowering the young to take full control over their time and their lives? Does it offer a new definition and purpose for education? Beyond academic knowledge as an end in itself, does it offer an authentic foundation for the practical use of knowledge, technology, and skills gained through building, collaboration, exploration, and action? In the words of Derek Hill, founder of the Yes Across America, we believe the only true basis for educating the young is to empower them to become independent, creative, caring, action-oriented people capable of controlling the fruits of their own labor. One sure-fire way to do this is to involve bright, enterprising students in the task of helping to shape a new vision of education and a future they can truly call their own. What's the takeaway here? If you want to change the learning culture, we are going to need a planetary life force that emanates from the young and that has the power to lift the culture into a higher dimension. That mental, spiritual force is play. 
but like the lift inherent in the form and function of an airplane, certain principles of physics and physical structure need to be in place in order to leverage the power of flight. And then the power of human belief and determination must be summoned, or the play will be aimless. If we want to see play become the new foundation of our learning culture, we must move together with intent and make it happen. Play Tectonics is perhaps the most comprehensive campaign ever undertaken to advance the cause and birthright of learning in this age of mass population, and it is timely. For if change is to come to education, change that is deep and systemic, change that is sweeping, sustainable, authentic, incorruptible, and unstoppable, it must ultimately be creative. If we are ever to escape the archaic trappings of our self-imposed learning machinery, we have no choice. We, the people, are going to have to create our way out. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Play Tectonics podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please share with your friends, family, and associates. Follow us on social media for regular updates and visit our website at playtectonics.org where you will discover the art, play, and tools of puppet tools or play language, our patented pathway for building a play-based learning culture. Join us next time, and thanks for listening. This is Emily Hall.